Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is... Are these books drink? (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? Who? You. Nothing. You said drunk? It sounded very... I gave it some flair. Oh. Nice. All right, then. Yeah, maybe you're drunk. Maybe you're both drunk. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yeah. This month, we've been reading an unnerving story of a fake heiress, My Friend Anna by Rachel Deloche Williams. During our last Getty, we chatted about asserting our needs and getting them met, the kindness of strangers, and sharing hard times with those near and dear to us. Gals, I gotta say that even though many of our questions were answered, I wanted more from this true tale. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) There's no point in postponing our gabbing time any longer. Foodie Porn 69, what's on the cocktail <laughs> list this afternoon? That's me. <laughs> Wait, I have to ask you, though, what is a Getty? Yeah, is Getty a thing? I was I've wondering if you guys were going to get that. It's no. Miami slang for get together. Oh. I didn't know if you guys were going to get it or not. I've yeah, never it's a heard Getty. that before. I've never we heard like it either. It. We would always say, are you going to the Getty? How about that Getty? What happened at the Getty last night? Oh I don't my know God. why, but that was such like a Miami a girl. So funny. That is such a Miami thing. <laughs> okay, well, I've learned something new today. <laughs> okay, let's get into this drink. Yeah. Yes, please. Listen up, listeners. Today's cocktail is brought to you by a very special collaboration with Plum Deluxe Tea. Let yeah. Me, yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing company before diving in. Plum Deluxe is a small, specialized, family-owned and operated business out of Portland, Oregon. They take... Woo, woo. Yeah. You like Oregon? <laughs> I've never been, but I feel like I would like it. Same. I just shout out Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. They take great care in cultivating loose leaf tea blends that are free of chemicals and made from natural ingredients. They no. even offer a tea of the month club for you tea lovers out there, where for $10 a month, they ship you a seasonal tea and you can choose caffeinated or decaf. Perfect. Cute, right? They have the traditional flavors, but also special blends with great names, such as Happy Hour Blend. Hey, Hello. Reading Nook Blend and Blackberry Mojito Blend. Oh, yes. For today's cocktail, Ricardo made a drink with their Happy Hour Blend. The name of our cocktail pairing today is Spill the Tea. Because uh, we are spilling some we're tea. Gonna. <laughs> Rachel has spilled some tea. There is tea to be spilled. Go to plumdeluxe.com and order yours today so you can try this one of a kind drink made just for you, listeners. <gasps> and us, ladies. And Mommy Mariana. Mm. What mocktail will you be enjoying while we are sipping and spilling the tea? Iced happy hour blend tea. Mm. How about them apples? Mm. Yeah. And Ricardo did say to add a little bit of uh, rosemary simple syrup. 
to it. Oh mm. my gosh. Which would good. go nicely with it. Yeah. Mm. Maybe our bartender's starting to like mocktails. I'm kind of getting that uh, feeling. <laughs> or maybe it's the tea. I mean, Keep who knows? dreaming. <laughs> Keep dreaming. He would never admit it, Wishful but maybe we thinking. turned him. <laughs> and where can our listeners find this mocktail recipe? At Are These Books Drunk on Instagram. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Here to share the recipe for this drink is our tea-lightful bartender. Oh, my <laughs> Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, amazing. <laughs> How are you? Good, good. Thanks for asking. I'm pretty Good. excited about this cocktail because we have uh, a nice new ingredient that can yes. actually be used in both the mocktail and the cocktail, and yes. it's pretty great. Yeah. So the cocktail of today is called Spill the Tea, and we're going to infuse the, our spirit, that in this case is a vodka, with this blend of tea. But you can use the pretty much the same uh, ratio that I used to create this cocktail for the market, mocktail version. Oh, okay, oh, so they are like. Love it. Uh, I'm gonna go tell you the recipe, and then I'm gonna explain you why I choose to put some ingredients. Great. So, okay. Let's infuse the vodka first. With this particular tea, it doesn't take long. Yeah. You can uh, you can put the tea in the vodka in a dark place for no more than an hour and you can tell already that the vodka is yeah. gonna get like this nice red color yeah. and you can start actually smelling all the herbs and uh, mm. all the tea flavors oh lovely so after the two ounces of vodka that we previously infused we put three quarter of an ounce of lemon juice a quarter of an ounce of triple sec and half of an ounce of honey syrup three to one ratio. So three parts honey and one part water. So we're gonna have a rich uh, honey taste. Beautiful. And for the cocktail, we're gonna need a little piece of rosemary. So the cocktail is built in the shaker. We shake and strain over ice and we garnish with the rosemary. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I have a little variation that Brandy did and I like that she tried it. It's to winning. <laughs> actually, <laughs> teachers <pet>. Yes. <laughs> so you can actually do uh, instead of just a honey simple syrup, you can do a rosemary honey syrup. So instead of using uh, uh, like on top of the recipe that I told you, the three to one ratio, you can put the rosemary in in a little pan and uh, with the honey and the water and like. Mm boil it a little bit as soon as it reach the boiling point like turn off the flame keep uh, whisk, uh, whisking so it doesn't attach to the pan and uh -huh. let it cool and store it in the fridge it's gonna remain perfect for a few weeks or months oh good wow and yeah. Uh, yeah the honey is like you know that they found honey in like the pyramids and it's still edible Mm. Whoa, so, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so honey is like a very good uh, food and can last pretty much forever. Mm. 
So the idea behind the rosemary and the honey is because this particular blend of tea has a lot of notes of hibiscus. And I mm-hmm. think that the hibiscus and the citrus present in the, in the blend of tea are a perfect ingredient that are complementary with the honey and the rosemary. So the sweetness yeah. of the honey and the, and the smell and the nice uh, touch of the rosemary are actually complementary of this uh, particular blend of tea. And yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. It's, and it's so delicious. It's dangerous because yeah. it doesn't it even I can't feel taste the vodka at, at all. all. At all. So it, ta- it tastes like a mocktail. Like yeah. it's very hydrating because of yeah. the hibiscus. Like it just, sure. I feel like I could drink it all day and then you I'd can. be very, very silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're starting our happy hour early today. Right. So you definitely could. Yeah. Long way to go. Too, yes. Good. So enjoy your cocktail. A la vostra salute and enjoy this. Pill your tea. Thank Gracias, you. Ricardo. Okay. Ciao, ladies. A la vostra salute. Bye. Bye. All right, chicas. Cheers. Salud. This is one of my favorite cocktails that Carla has ever made. <gasps> wow. Wow. Yeah, for sure. After, it's, in contem- it's in contention for the top spot for me. Wow. Oh, my After 40 goodness. plus cocktails. I yeah, love it. It is so refreshing. I love the flavor of the tea. The hibiscus yeah, is so hibiscus nice. Yeah, hibiscus is beautiful. And the rosemary mm. paired with that, it just like perfectly, kind of subtly complements this mm. so nicely. Well, you also, you did a little hack, didn't you? Didn't you do some of the rosemary syrup from the mocktail and add it to the cocktail too? Yeah, so I did a rosemary classic syrup Mm. i'm really i really need to try ricardo's honey rosemary syrup though because that sounds really good yeah that sounds really delish yeah i don't think just having a sprig of rosemary would be enough for me Mm. i definitely think that having the classic syrup infused with the rosemary is adding a lot of flavor to this It's so it's such a perfect summer. Like I could see this at like summer parties outside. Yes. It's a beautiful color. Baby it's showers. Gorgeous. Mm. Baby showers. <laughs> yeah, the color is really pretty. It's just yeah, it's just perfect. I'm loving it. I really also feel like I'm drinking along with you guys. Because my drink really matches yours. And I actually yeah. have ingredients. Yeah. Same drink. Yeah. Without the vodka. S- except for the vodka. <laughs> but honestly, I barely taste the vodka, so it Uh-oh. you know. Except for the fact that I'm getting tipsier than you are. It's basically <laughs> like we're drinking the same drink. Bye, B. <laughs> See you it's later. It's like we're at happy hour together. <laughs> All right. Well, good. We're going to need this to close out this book, I think. Okay. You want to bring us in, Here Dee? we go. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> to finish out our discussion about this book, this week... When Anna doesn't show up for her hearing, the ADA on the case reaches out to Rachel to ascertain whether Anna might be responsive to her. Rachel agrees. At first, Anna is slow to respond and elusive with her answers, but ultimately she warms up to Rachel again and agrees to leave her rehab facility to meet Rachel for lunch. Having alerted the police of Anna's whereabouts and the lunch date, they swoop in and arrest Anna the moment she leaves the facility. She's ultimately convicted and sentenced to jail time, and Rachel's debt is ultimately forgiven by American Express. Mm. (laughs) And that's it. That's all she wrote. That's it. 
bit early. Yeah. Emma, I feel like you're having feelings. <laughs> it's all over her it's face. It's like all over your face. Can and, you tell? Yeah. The tone in her voice. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm a little bummed. I feel like, I mean, like you said, Mariana, earlier, I just, I I wanted a little more. I just think it's such a, I don't know, and I'm feeling conflicted because I feel for Rachel for everything she's gone through, I really do. Sure. But also, I could have, like, skipped all of those little details she threw in about, like, her job shoots and, like, other things that she did with her family. Like, I just wanted the meat and core of the story. And I felt like maybe she just needed to really fill it to make it, like, a a full book. And so it was padded with a lot of other stuff that just kind of felt Mm -hmm. like it was getting in the way. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so drawn out. I'm like, why did it take us this long to get to this? You know, like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, and it started off with such a big bang. Like, I was very interested right. in the yes. get-go yes. because we were learning, like, what right. the situation was that she mm-hmm. had faced. But it just took a long time to actually get to the – to to what actually to ended what, up happening to Anna. Like, but it she felt was like a very of. anticlimactic, like, yes. resolution. It, we yeah. started out at such a high place right. and it kind of never – it was just, like, on a decline from there and it kind of never <laughs> – went anywhere and I felt like she kept repeating the same That's information there yeah, was, it was so much repetition repetitive. yeah yes. in terms of text messages um just right. like the same back and forth conversation like after it came to a point where I was like I don't care anymore like I don't care about this conversation that you keep yeah. having on repeat because it would be the same in real life like when people come to me about the same problem there comes a point where I'm like I don't want to listen to this anymore. Like, if you're still totally. having the same problem, do something about it. Like, let's get help. Let's let's try another way because clearly what you're doing isn't working. And I know that's different in this case because so much of it was out of her control. But I did just come to a point where I was like, you know what? I just don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> and And you know what? Also, like, when is enough enough? Like, it was just this ongoing saga about her feeling this guilt and her continually just, like, giving her the benefit of the doubt. And I was just like, can we just stop, please? I'm glad that you brought that up because I had a question for both of you about this. Mm. I was so baffled by the fact that Rachel actually felt guilty about helping the authorities get to Anna. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not only has this person stolen stolen money from you, which obviously we've been hearing about for the entire book, she's done it to your friend Casey as well. Right. And she's attempted to do it to Casey's friend Beth. And this whole scheme on top of all of that was completely premeditated. We know that now. Yeah. So I just didn't, I didn't understand her feeling guilty over helping the police catch her. But I, I was so curious what was behind that for her? And I wondered if either of you have ever had a moment where you know you're in the right, mm. but you still feel guilty about the situation or you still feel indebted to the other person for some reason, even though you know you're the one in the right. Absolutely. Um, right now, immediately, the first thing that comes to mind is my relationship with my grandmother. Because I have mentioned to both of you, like, what happened, the how deceitful she was to me and my mom about my yeah. grandfather's identity and mm-hmm. my him not being my biological grandfather. But there's still a part of me that feels guilty for not reaching out, feels mm-hmm. guilty for not being the only grand – I'm the only granddaughter. Oh. She – all the all her other grandchildren are boys. 
So especially now that I'm pregnant and not being able to share this with her. So there's still a lot of guilt, though. She was she's definitely the one in the wrong who hid something so crucial in our lives and, you know, in my family that she's in the wrong. But I still feel like I should I should reach out. And it's sad. I feel like she's still in control. Oh, yeah. Wait, does she not know you're pregnant? I, she she does. She does because my aunts still follow me on social media and my cousins know because I still do keep in touch with them. So they know. And she, she doesn't knows. reach out to you? She hasn't. Wow. wow. She hasn't. We haven't spoken in, oh. I would say, like four years now. <gasps> oh, oh Mariana, I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. Yeah, it's it, – yeah. It's tough. God, the other day – um, since I'm currently on my baby moon, <laughs> the Aww. other day I had dedicated we, I, podcast host right here. <laughs> yes, Thanks, I'd be like, "Fuck you both." <laughs> she could be at the beach, but she's here talking about this book with yeah. us. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm a I'm a devoted reader, listener, host, whatever, <laughs> all of the above. But anyway, I was on the beach, and Andrew and I had a lot of time to just have conversations, and I I got really emotional at one point because. You know, you do want to share this journey with your loved ones. Yeah. And you want, you know, it being her first, she will be her first great granddaughter because mm-hmm. two of my cousins only have boys. So again, it's going to be the only girl in the family for a long period of time. So not to be able to have those moments of her meeting her is, it's hard to digest. Yeah. yeah. But it's stuff that you have to move on with and get over and and why does it have to be me why do I have to be the one to reach out why do I have to feel guilty knowing that she caused a lot of damage and a lot yeah, of when emotional you didn't pain. do anything no right no. Yeah. and I also have to be respectful of my mom's decisions and whatever however she can cope with the situation at hand I just I have to go along with that and I want to go along with that because I yeah. want to be the support system that my mom needs during this time yeah. Mm. Sorry, though. That's still, that's hard. That is really rough. Yeah. yeah. All families have, you know. I know. Yeah. It's their so stories. True. I don't have anything as uh, specific as yours, Mariana, but I can say that I feel guilty all the time for things that I know mm. I shouldn't feel guilty for, whether mm. it's in a friend's relationship, family, strangers, anyone. <laughs> you know, I joke that um, I have the Catholic guilt from my mom's side of the family, but I also have insane Jewish guilt. So I feel like I've got it from both sides. sides. I'm just a ball of guilt all the time. I'm aware of it and I know it's dumb, but you know, I think it's partly like why I always apologize for things that I don't need to apologize for, but I, I just always feel, yeah, I don't know this, this, uh, as soon as you asked the question, I was like, yes, like all the time. (laughs) I mean, it was always, this is not, you know, friends or family related, but it was always super prominent for me when I was working in the restaurant. You know, I always felt guilty for things that were out of my control or even like really nasty people, but I still wanted to, I still wanted them to have a good time for some reason. I think in a, in a close relationship, my friend that I spoke of before, the one that kind of ghosted all of us Mm -hmm. that disappeared Mm -hmm. I had a I had so many mixed feelings about that but also after I after a while I started to feel guilty like maybe I wasn't 
as good a friend to him as I thought I was or as I could have been. You know, uh-huh. maybe I contributed to that and um and it wasn't just like I was a complete innocent victim, you know, like I started to feel really guilty about the way that I had been thinking about how I showed up for that relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm uh just a guilty ball of guilt. guilt. <laughs> Yeah, I that resonates with me. I totally hear you. Yeah? No, yeah, I, I was going to say, but I I think it stems from us being very empathetic mm. women. Because mm-hmm. we do yeah. see, we try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and we try to get gauge from their perspective what's going on. And because of that, I think that's why the guilt sets in. Because yeah. we're not narcissists. We're not self-absorbed. We just right. want to... We, we want to make sure we're doing right mm-hmm. by people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. which is why, you know, as much as I'm shitting on Rachel right now, I kind of, contrary to what you said, Brandy, I do sort of understand where she's coming from in the sense you that do? a Tell little me. bit because Tell me. <laughs> I, because I think I think my first reaction would have just been anger and malice and just get her back. Yeah. But then I think you do kind of think about well, she clearly does need friends. She's, I don't know. There is a part of me that still goes back to she probably is so lonely and um, and so conflicted that there's like a human part of that that you still just want to, I don't know, make a person feel like they're not completely alone even when they've ruined mm. your life. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. I guess for me, my head in- instantly went to, well, if she's still out there and she hasn't faced accountability for this stuff, she's doing this to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like she is inflicting exactly. herself on people actively. And those are the people who, in my mind, I'm like, we've got to have empathy for her future victims because she is definitely hustling wherever she is. That's mm-hmm. true. If we had if we had turned, sorry, if we had turned the like circumstances of this and we were talking about like a sexual assault Oh my god, yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Like if it were No question. I don't know why con to me is like it's bad, but like if I were to take it into into something like that, then I then I'm like absolutely yes, like shut them down. Right. There was a part of me that was wondering too, like is it is this part of the con? Like is she somehow so charismatic that Rachel is somehow still drawn to her even despite all the shit that she's done you know what I mean like is does she have this pull to her even you know the same thing that got Beth to help her mm-hmm. even when Beth knew she's been conning people well Rachel does write that her hesitation was an indicator that she was still susceptible to her influence so it was very yeah. much that she was still being controlled by her even though right. they weren't really communicating that much or seeing each other one-on-one and they weren't friends and they weren't friends but there was still a part of Anna who uh, that there was that was very controlling yeah that became most clear to me when they were towards at the very end of the book when they're trying to arrange to meet for lunch Mm -hmm. and for Rachel it seems to be a like let's meet let's talk let's discuss and for Anna it's all about what can I get out of of you yeah Yeah. and I was like holy shit still was using her yeah, she's still at it. It's crazy. 
But the thing that really pissed me off in the courtroom was when she, when Rachel describes Anna as having that like condescending smirk, like when she took mm-hmm. the stand, the way that, that Anna was looking at her, that for me was like, okay, now we're out of being charmed. We're out of friend zone. Like that to me kind of felt like closure right. on everything else that had happened. Yeah. And like, okay, this is now starting the new chapter of now you know you fucked me over. Right. That look, I think, would have turned me into, okay, I'm done feeling guilty. Right. Though she did say that vengeance had never been her motive. Like, she didn't want vengeance out of it. What she ultimately wanted was, as both of you said, for this not to happen to someone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. finally, I think those those instances in the court and when she was being a witness, that revelation came into play that it was really about her protecting future victims. Yeah. So let me ask you both then. Do you think that she wrote this book for that reason to protect that to protect other people from this happening to you? Or was this like the the other lawyer, whatever their name, the the prosecutor, <laughs> like the prosecutor was trying to get at her that um you know, this was for money or for entertainment Spodex, value. Spodex, I don't know if I'm pronouncing Yeah, something like that. That's an interesting question. And it was something that I, I did also want to bring up. I think it's a little bit of both. And I think th- th- there's a point that I felt that it was very cathartic for her. And especially from her epilogue, yeah. it did show that there was something that she needed to write things down to kind of get through it and continue coping because she obviously dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety through yeah. the midst of all of these of this situation. But then there's also a part of me that all of this was so sensationalized and everything was such a show that how could it not also then be seen as like a business opportunity? She was saying this Mm -hmm. about Anna, but I think also for herself, you end up kind of taking advantage of the situation. Like if you're getting offers from, if you get a book deal, if you get an offer to make a film or a documentary on your story, why wouldn't you necessarily go for it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I was in that place, if I would, but- those things are being thrown at you. Right. I think that's why I feel so conflicted is because all of that stuff that she was saying when the trial was about to happen about how she was so freaked out about her name being out there and her public Mm. information and she pulled everything from LinkedIn and how it affected her job. Now she's like here, she's, she's like you just said, she's taking all of, all of those opportunities for, exploitation maybe um well she's also been laid off at this point right right? so the job is really no longer of concern because it's gone that's true and i guess maybe this won't affect her future employment situation i wouldn't think so i think the reason she was so concerned about this was because it was on her corporate card yeah that was the big like concern is that she had put her per she had put her corporate card down for a personal purchase and it was of such a massive scale that you know she couldn't realistically cover it absolutely which for somebody like her like it kind of sounds like you know she's on the production side of things it sounds like she was given that card to pay for things for her job along the way so if you're using that in an irresponsible manner and i think a sixty thousand dollar charge is irresponsible (laughs) you know of course you're worried about losing your job I don't know. I really didn't fault her for writing the book. She had been through this horrible Mm -hmm. months-long ordeal. And I do think there is something cathartic about telling your story. There's something healing Mm -hmm. about it. And I think also there is an element of, 
like warning people mm-hmm. like this is out there you know what i mean this exists people this is like a this thing. exist yeah yeah exactly um so i really didn't fault her i was a little disturbed hearing about anna getting such a big payout for her story mm. but was relieved that it seems like she she took most of that money and used it to pay off her victims I'm also super confused. If Anna was convicted to four to 12 years in prison, I'm looking at her Instagram and she's posting just very recently. So, and this book came out in 2019. Yeah. That was not four years ago. That was not four years ago. She got, I think she was released for good behavior. (laughs) See, that pisses me off. Yeah. Ugh. She had a caption on one of her posts that was like, finally out, like, this is my city. Yeah, she has developed a really strange little following of people mm-hmm. who sort of um, have made her their, like, hero, hero. in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very bizarre. And she walks around like that. It seems like, like her photos are like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the fake heiress or whatever her little you know tag is yeah those t-shirts that were made that oh, that guy God. that Rachel encountered with that t-shirt right. Yeah. right well and if you go to her website she's got like this counter of like how many days she's been free like it very much oh, seems to be my. part of her identity yeah. like I was in jail and now I'm out yeah well this is the thing for years America has been tuning into these publicized trials yeah. and they view them as the ultimate reality show granted I'm a reality TV show junkie, so it is the (laughs) ultimate reality show. Yeah. But from these trials come these book deals, deals with huge networks and so on. Yeah. Like, I I remember the first trial that I was very much into was the O.J. Simpson trial. And not not to compare this, obviously, her fraudulent activity to a murder trial, Mm. but everybody was enamored. By what was going on. It was. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Brandy, people then saw him as a hero or just a star. He was already a star, but this made him even more of a star. Right. And the other uh, trial or just the the, the other person who I I ended up thinking of was, do you guys remember Elizabeth Holmes? Oh, yes. The the lady from Silicon Valley that basically was trying to revolutionize blood testing. The blood, yes. Yes. That then this HBO That's documentary a great came comparison. out, and oh, I, I mean, people that. were I also just like completely involved in her story, right. and they were talking about how she changed her voice and like the turtlenecks that she was wearing, and just like trying to hear all about her company and like her company was worth nine billion dollars. Like mm-hmm. all that was just. It's like it the, the fire, the fire fly. festival, fire festival, yes. yeah. Another yeah. one, which Another I know one. I mentioned before, but like. Yeah, these people, they've gotten very good at it. For some reason, they fascinate us. Their stories fascinate us. Which is something that I wanted to ask you. You know, you were saying that it feels like Rachel has sort of like dragged this story out. And I wondered, would it have been different if we were hearing it from Anna's perspective? If Anna had written this book, would that have changed the way we received it? Would that have been a more exciting? Well, it definitely would have been different. Yeah. You know, I mean, how could it not be? Yeah, I think maybe it would have been a little more, yeah, quote unquote, exciting to hear Mm -hmm. about how she, but if she were really honest, like if she were honest about what she did and how she did it. And I think she's proud of it. 
Yeah, I think that could be. Yeah. But I would never want her to write that book and then get money out of it. But I do think that's possibly something that we're going to see. You know, we know that Rachel has gotten a deal for her story, I think, with HBO. And Anna has gotten a deal for her story, I think, with Netflix. So it sounds like there are possibly going to be two Mm -hmm. movie or TV projects coming out of this. And it'll be really interesting to see one versus the other who's, you know, getting different bits from each person's perspective is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I want to share this cool, interesting fact with you that I learned. I found a podcast <laughs> called Ooh. Fake Heiress. Oh, you've told us about this, I think. It was a yeah. BBC radio podcast production. And so right. it was, I believe, if I remember correctly, it was a, she's a journalist, but she had paired up with a playwright and you could tell they had hired actors and they had kind of written out this like radio play of what happened like like they were acting out the characters some of the accents were questionable (laughs) (laughs) but one of the things that the host said that that i thought was so interesting is that Sorokin, or in Russian, Sorokina, you know, Anna's uh, Mm -hmm. given by birth last name, it's Russian for magpie. And a magpie is a bird that is attracted to shiny things and known to steal. Whoa! So it's literally in her name. Which I think is just like... Do you think it's like in her genes or something? (laughs) No. I just think it's a cool fun fact. Generations before it was... Oh, that's just crazy. (laughs) It's just something cool to think about. I was like, oh, wow, I never would have... I wouldn't have caught that on my... I don't speak Russian. Well, something I thought was interesting that was mentioned towards the end of the book was her chosen last name Delvey <laughs> she cho- you know Rachel discovers that she's got a snapchat that Anna's yeah. got this snapchat called oh. at Delvied at like, it's Del- verb, like it's a verb you've been Delvied once again yeah you've been Delvied <laughs> which once again just signals for me like this woman is fully aware Completely. of what she is doing and does not care she does not care about anyone or anything no. like this is her game no yeah it makes me really this is terrible but like it makes me really curious what her future will look like yeah the whole notion that she skipped out on her court date that was all planned and then she Crazy. went to rehab like, right all there's of no that way was that was an accident that yeah no and then being in rehab and scheming to get alcohol into rehab. Like, I mean, who Yeah, I was like, can you do that? that? Also, I was like, can you leave rehab to go to lunch? I don't know. I that know. That's I thought a that thing. to the what is beach that? to have walks on the beach that she could go out. Oh, yeah. No, like, all that stuff. Is just like, crazy. I've never been, but I'm pretty sure when you're in rehab, you're not allowed you're to leave. You're there. You're supposed <laughs> to be there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the place where she was staying was $60,000. Yeah. Like, how was she paying for? For that was that just like the hotel all over again? Was she scamming them too? She must have been she with this been. check kiting. I'm sorry, genius. Like that 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 thing that she was doing to get money out. I've never heard of that before. Well, it's essentially I. what was happening in Catch Me If You Can, right? Like he was creating these checks and he would deposit That's them so because true. he knew that it would take the bank a certain amount of time to oh. actually verify those funds, and by then he already had his money. Mm-hmm. So she's basically doing, it's a, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing he was doing. Mm-hmm. This book was described as Sex and the City meets Catch Me If You Can. 
And it did deliver on that. It did well, deliver on that. Yeah. Not so did. much sex, but. Uh. <laughs> well, the wardrobe, I guess. Right. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> and the alcohol. The super and the fabulous alcohol. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you too. And you know what? I'm just going to come right out and preface. Like, I'm not proud of this question. I'm not excited about what? this question. But listen to me. I'm Emma. not going to like, I feel like we got to be honest here. When we read these last couple chapters, I was like, you know what? I was like, fuck asking a question. I don't care. I'm over it. (laughs) But that's not how how we work. And so I have a question. Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I always preface my questions these days. So in the vein of how Rachel was anxiously awaiting the news of the trial to know if Anna would be convicted as guilty or not, Have either of you had a moment of anxiously awaiting news and couldn't stop compulsively checking your phone or email? Let's find some hopeful moments of happiness here, shall we? Yes, please. (laughs) I'll go first because I know Mariana has a much better answer than mine. I know. I think I, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is every fucking day of my life. And I think it's probably true for both of you, too. It's like every minute of every day, I know that, like, I'm going to hear my phone ding and I'm going to have an audition for something amazing or I'm going to book something awesome that I can't wait to, you know. I'm constantly anxiously awaiting good news. That is literally every single moment of every single day of my entire existence. That's exhausting. (laughs) Same. It is. Yeah. You got, but you got some other big news recently that I'm sure you, you were anxiously awaiting confirmation of. I did. Well, you're well, pregnant. Like if you were pregnant or not? Yeah, like you oh. were carrying it. Well, but I, that I, but that I found out when I was there. I mean, I guess yes. I, I you're yeah. right. There wasn't a phone involved necessarily. <laughs> no, but. no, but you're right. Whenever we did the, the blood test phone. and everything, no, the to check out that everything it was going well with her, and yeah, any type of testing that I did during throughout this pregnancy, definitely, I was checking my email all the time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, be the same exact thing. I mean, our phones are like our colleagues. Like that's yeah, like, that's uh, basically it's my weird. lifeline. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really, pretty much, pretty much. I mean, uh, same thing. One, one that I can specifically remember, which then was like that I kind of brought up last week. Um, that you, I don't think I had really talked with either of you about this when I was about to get married, and I was like at the height of my career as a dancer. My dream was always to dance with the Met- Metropolitan Opera House. Mm. And so I had just auditioned prior to our wedding, and um, I think it was in the summer, to summer of 2010. And no, I'm sorry, in the spring of 2010. And when I auditioned, like I – basically got a few callbacks. And then at the end, it pretty much meant that you were going to be cast, either cast A or cast B. But you weren't officially fully cast until you obviously got the contract via email. So when I received that email, it was just like, okay, I've made it. And within a few weeks, I had to turn down the contract because of my injury. But... But you got that moment. But I had the knowing. moment, that hopeful moment of getting that contract and being like, okay, this is this you is where you yeah. made it there. Yeah. Yeah. So at least I had that instance yeah. in my life where I could say, look, you know, all the work finally had paid off. Which I think that's what happens to us all the time when we get 
any type of booking that all the work that goes into our daily right. lives that pretty much we don't we don't get any pay from it but once we get that booking it's like mm-hmm. this is why i sacrifice day right. in and day right. out mm. yeah the the last time i remember like actually compulsively refreshing my email and anxiously awaiting news was to see if i had actually booked that um that job on on bull like my first tv job because i had gotten like little hints that was like you're in the running like they're considering you like they're still working on the role so like there were these little like hints dropped but it was like until i actually got the thing that was like offer i was like who knows and so that was that was pretty exciting but prior to phone or email maybe yeah i don't think we had email maybe we did did we have email in high school well, I know we had. Oh, like, I had an AOL, AOL account. AOL I was Eminem one two three at AOL dot com. Okay, so oh. maybe I did actually. But like back in the in the Paleolithic days, before we were attached to our phones, I remember anxiously awaiting my acceptance letter for NYU. Oh. And I I got that envelope, and I was so nervous. But then I didn't get in. (laughs) And so that was one of those things that was like, oh, you know, like you see the envelope come in the mail and you're like, someone just rip it open. And then it was like, I thought everything was going to (laughs) end. Oh. But I turned out fine. It's so funny to think about moments pre-phone and pre you know what I mean? Anticipation before the internet. With the mail. (laughs) Did you I never a had a beeper? I, I never beeper. had that. You had a beeper? Oh, ladies, I had the best beeper. I never messed I with that. I loved my beeper. I was so excited when <laughs> I got my beeper. It? it was a maroon beeper, and I would get what text messages from it. What makes the best my... beeper? I know. Because it was so cute. And I just loved <laughs> playing with it and getting messages from my boyfriends at the time. Like the 143, nice. was it I love you? Like the type of thing that you could do little quotes on your beeper. Well, you, I have no idea. You guys idea. didn't have beepers. I never had a beeper. you could do with numbers. You Actually, the numbers could like – you could decode them and it would be a phrase or like a little a cute message. thing. Was it, it like a, a way of texting then? Yeah. That's how we oh texted before. God. I can't believe neither of you had beepers. You're so old. No. Yeah. I guess so. She's like a year older than me. I don't know how you had a beeper and I didn't. Yeah, I had never... it. It must have been my freshman year of high school. Yeah, because I think by the time I was like a sophomore, junior, cell phones were were, were happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But wait, <gasps> ladies, what? we have a listener question. <gasps> yeah. Well, thanks to our devoted listener, Avika. She wanted to know something from us, ladies. Oh. She says, Rachel is stressed out and a concert helped her to cheer her up a tiny bit. What helps you to ease your mind when you are stressed out? Ladies. Oh, I like this question. It makes me feel peaceful just thinking about what helps ease my mind when I'm stressed. Oh. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Just thinking about it puts me in a happy place. Uh, my answer is a little tragic, I think, but when I'm super stressed, 
I like to watch trash TV and like I like it just shuts off my brain and I'm just like let me watch people be ridiculous for like an hour while I drink a glass of wine and then it's all good like it recharges me. That's, I, that's I get a good that. one. <laughs> I get that. I texted Mariana. Re- oh, I texted both of you recently because I'd had a stressful day and I was watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Happy as a clam. I oh, was. yeah. <laughs> my kind of girl. I, what helps me to ease my mind when I'm stressed out, I actually, I journal. I oh, I have to oh. I have to put pen to paper and just start writing and it gets it out of my brain and body mm-hmm. into something and it kind of just moves it moves it out and helps oh. me process like what what's really going on. Yeah, that's great. So that's journaling, so I know. Well, you know, I'm I'm trying I try because um, <laughs> I was gonna say I either journal or or I. I smoke a joint. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They usually help. Holistic, too. Yeah. It's all natural. It is all natural. Yeah. Smoke while you journal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I think both of you are going to guess mine. Tequila? Well, not now. Exercise. Oh, all the way. Mm. I can be so overwhelmed, full of anxiety, and once I do an hour of cardio, I am in the zone. Yeah, like I, I get in the flow. The endorphins are released, and I'm ready to go. That's a good one. Yeah, it's like the sweat drips, and it it releases all the toxicity. It's literally the stress coming out of your pores. Yeah, that's a good one. That, <laughs> that is a really good one. My mom, if I ever call her and I'm like ridiculously stressed out, or when I call her and I'm ridiculously stressed <laughs> out, she's like, "Have you worked out today?" And I'm Aww. like, "Not yet." She's, she's like, like, "Go exercise, go call exercise, me back. get on and that then bike, we can talk." Yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I love how different all of our answers. I know are. that's so weird. Evika, hmm. I want to know yours. I want to know what you yes. do when you're stressed oh, yeah. out. Yeah, tell us, tell us, and yeah, thanks please. for this question. And love thank you for it. that question. I do have to say. That I did appreciate Rachel's epilogue. Hmm, yeah. Even though, you know, we've been yeah. giving her a hard time this uh, this <laughs> episode. But she does mention trust is a healthy and normal part of human nature. Yeah. And I totally agree with this. Though I have had a tricky relationship with trust in general. And mm. it takes me some time to fully trust someone. And I think it all comes down to having been let down before or individuals' actions, not speaking louder than their words. Yeah. On the flip side, I have fallen victim to being deceived. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you ladies have a similar relationship with trust or what is your relationship with trust? And have either of you ever been scammed, deceived, conned? <sighs> Tell us. <laughs> I have a really complicated relationship with trust because I think I operate from two very opposing sides of myself. On the one hand, I want to be a very open, trusting um, person, well-balanced, you know, all that stuff. On the other hand, I am a very naturally skeptical person. Mm. And so I feel like I'm always 
bouncing back and forth between those two things. And sometimes I'll find myself being skeptical and I'm like, oh, no, you can't be this person. You've got to be this well-balanced person who sees the good in everybody. And then I do that and then I get sort of taken by somebody Mm. who I should not have. I should have seen things that I did not see. And it's because I was battling with this other side of myself that I didn't want to be. And I think that comes from when I was a very little kid. I don't know if I've told you guys this story before, but when I was like, I wanted to say I was like five or six years old, my parents had two young women, young girls really, come visit us at our house. They came and visited me and my younger sister Chablis. And we just kind of thought that they were young girls in town visiting and visiting, you know, their dad or something. We we didn't really know who they were. They were around our age. They came and visited us. We hung out with them for a little bit. They went home. Didn't think anything of it. Several days later, my mom revealed to me that one of them was my half-sister, who I had no prior knowledge of. I didn't know my dad had been married before. I didn't know he had a daughter. I... You know, and it was it was it felt like a huge betrayal that this person had been sitting in front of me in my home and I did not know who she was. Like, what if I had wanted to have a relationship with her that was just gone? Yeah. And on top of that, you know, my mom had always been very honest with us. We knew from a very young age there was no Santa Claus. Like there were no Mm -hmm. lies Mm -hmm. in in our house as far as I knew. And that was the first time that I could remember Having something like that hit me that I was like, oh, they could be lying to me at any minute. And mm-hmm. I I, I was so crushed by that moment. And I remember my mom being like, why are you taking this so hard? Because days later, I was still feeling it. And I think she thought that I was upset mm. that I had this half sister. And I, did, I was too young to articulate it. But I think what I was really upset about was having been lied to. Yeah, of course. And for the rest of my childhood, I can remember always thinking, what are they not telling yeah, me what right else? now? Like, I remember always kind of like listening around corners, feeling like I need to pick things up because mm. they're not going to tell me when something's wrong. Like, I just remember having that instinct of everybody is always lying. They're mm. always covering things. And it's on you to figure out what the truth is. It's such a vulnerable Um, state to be in. Especially when you're that little. That shit stays with you. Of course. You're so impressionable. Yeah. And then you start thinking, what other secrets could there be? What haven't they told me? What haven't they told me? Absolutely. That's a hard place to be in. Very hard. And being the oldest sister, too. Right. Right. Then you want to try to protect your younger siblings so they don't go through the same thing. Yeah. Did you ever make a relationship with your half-sister? I didn't. It kind of never – I remember feeling at the the time that she kind of wasn't that interested in Mm. us. And at the time, it was a little baffling because they had come over to our house. So, you know, that was kind of weird. But I never really thought much of it. And then later I realized – It was actually kind of a heartbreaking moment because my sister and I had just gotten home from Taekwondo. So we're in our little Taekwondo outfit still. And, you know, she's my half sister's walking into this situation that she really never had. It's my mom and my dad together. We had a you know, we had a pretty nice house for the town that we lived in. It's me and my little sister. We're both super close 
Like, I can only imagine she was being presented with the life that she was never going to have. And so at the time, I didn't understand her standoffishness. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, like, that must have been been such a hard moment for her. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, neither one of us have Mm. ever reached out. Reached out. So that was just the one instance and that, that was, was it. That was one time that we saw each other and Wow. Spoke. And did you ever talk to your mom and dad about it again? Not really. Like my, my, you know, I think my dad has sort of kept in touch here and there. I don't know that their relationship has always mm-hmm. been a super positive one. Um, But my mom has updated me here and there when like you know, my dad has spoken with her and stuff. But yeah, pr- pretty much no relationship mm. whatsoever. Wow. But I do wonder if we had been introduced to each other as half-sisters then, would that have been different? Because we huh. would have had a chance to have a moment yeah. that evening as sisters. Yeah. And who knows what could have come of that. Wow. But yeah. but I got to say, at least... Your your dad and your mom did that. At least you got the introduction. I understand your perspective completely wholeheartedly and how hard it must have been for you at the time. But you at least had that moment to know that that actually did exist. And now right. find out now, right. so many That's years true. later, That's that true. this was that reality. Long I've had a half sister. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of sisters. I know. <laughs> The female gene runs strong yeah. in your family. Yeah, that's all my dad knows how to make, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my instance is uh is again not as as deep as yours, but I was reminded of a time that I was actually victim of a con artist Ooh. and I oh forgot. <gasps> and now I'm getting so angry thinking about it again. I can hear it. Because I had uh, blocked this out of my mind, but now I'm reminded. Oh, God. I'm I'm a very trusting person, like almost too trustworthy, mm-hmm. which is funny because Ricardo tells me that actually like I don't trust anyone. And I mm. I know what he means by that. Like I do always need a second opinion. So in a sense, I guess I do have a hard time trusting, uh, especially myself. But with with others, I actually I think that I'm I'm too trusting. Mm. For instance, yes, a couple years ago, Maggie Rogers was performing at Radio City and it was totally sold out the concert. So I went on Craigslist to try to find tickets because I know people do that. And I found someone selling three tickets, which is what I needed, for a price that I thought was a little too high. So I reached out and I asked if they would be willing to do this figure instead, which, you know, was still like a decent amount of money, but it was Maggie Rogers. I love Maggie Rogers. So I was like, would you be willing to do it for this? And they responded, yeah, that seems like a reasonable price. Sure. And I was like, oh, great. That's nice. So... They said that they only had the electronic copy of the ticket. And, well, first of all, they gave me this whole backstory about, yeah, I'm so sad I can't go, but I'm an artist. And I got this, like, last-minute exhibit in Florida, so now I'm going to Florida. So I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's an artist, like a like a female artist. Like, yeah. they're, they're trusting. They're oh, trustworthy. Man. Oh, um God. 
And so they said, you know, I only have the electronic ticket. And I was like, would you mind showing me what it looks like? You know, I just want to be sure. And they had the audacity to respond with something like, oh, no, I totally understand. Like, I've been scammed before. I totally (gasps) understand. Screenshotted me the thing. It looked just like a Ticketmaster ticket. Like, it looked so legit. But did it say Maggie Rogers performed? Yeah, it had had everything. It had the Ticketmaster, everything. Oh, my God. Wow. And, um, And they were, like, you know, continuing their sob story. Like, yeah, you know, I'm an something something I'm an artist and blah 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 and yeah I've been scammed before so of course like here you go and I PayPal'd them the money for all three of us and then I I had the tickets like electronically on my phone and we're so excited I went with Ricardo and a friend of mine and we're so excited so this was recent this This was a couple years ago holy shit like either early 2020 or late 2019 I don't remember oh my god God. And we were so psyched. We had been like pre-gaming for the concert. I was oh, so excited. <laughs> and I, you know, I had the tickets like ready to go on my phone. And so we're like waiting in line at Radio City and we're like, Maggie Rogers, Maggie Rogers. And we get oh, there and God. the usher scanned the barcode on my phone and it wasn't working. And he was like, weird, like it's not working. He was like, let me grab my manager. So then like someone else came and they're scanning the thing. And she goes, where did you get these tickets? No. And I was like, oh, my stomach dropped. And I had to look at her and be like, Craigslist. And she was like, yeah, this isn't our like barcode. This isn't legit. Like these aren't real. Oh, my God. Um, and it was enough to already be sad that I was going to miss the concert. But then I was just fucking angry and i was embarrassed because i'm the one that had handled the tickets i you know my friend had paid me for the ticket oh no i was so upset and i was so embarrassed but we were already there and i was like i'm not gonna miss this concert because of this troll so actually we went to the box office and they did actually have some tickets and they were cheaper than what I had paid this oh, no. troll. Oh, my God. And so I ended up, we ended up buying tickets there. So we still got to see it. But it was definitely the most expensive concert I have ever oh, paid for. Sure. Because I paid oh, twice. Twice. No. That happened to an ex of mine. He wanted to go to the U.S. Open. Oh, and so he God. also bought tickets on Craigslist. And oh, of course, they were fake. They were fake. And he ended up messaging back and forth with that scammer for weeks like exchanging just malicious <laughs> shitty like uh, or he would just message him out of the blue to be like just wanted to fuck up your day today and like let you know what a piece of shit you are like <laughs> he wasted weeks on this person uh, just because he was angry and like of course got no closure or like you know yeah nothing came of it he was just so mad that yeah. he had to keep at it yeah <laughs> i did I respond and all i wrote was karma is a bitch period <laughs> Whoa, via text or email or what? Whatever nice. method, I think like the Craigslist message, whatever we were using to communicate, that's all I said. And then I tried to dispute it with PayPal too, but they didn't give no me good. my money no. back. Karma's oh, a bitch. That's a, that, I would be scared though if I had an email that said, said that. Karma's, karma's a, a bitch, bitch. Like, coming oh, to shit. get you. Yeah, You don't yeah. know who you're messing with. Right. Foodie oh, porn 69. Oh. <laughs> 
Booty porn sixty nine coming for you. <laughs> yeah, y'all beware of Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's so shitty. Oh, and yeah. I'd forgotten about it until right now. Thanks, Mariana. You're welcome. I'm like pissed again. Uh, really quickly, I just thought of um, a story of when I was kind of a scam. Oh no, tell us. Uh, so I was a server at one point. I don't know if I ever mentioned you to were? you guys. Yeah, uh, right after college, I was. I told us I was a Mexicana. No, I was a hostess at Rosa Mexicana. But right oh. when I graduated college, I was working at this French bistro called Maison, which was right off of like 57th and Broadway. Yeah. Right in like, you know, in the I know that I knew that. You never talk about your serving days. Yeah. Where every time Brandy and I are like, fuck being a server. <laughs> You're Miss Quiet yeah. over there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I had a really bad experience serving because, like you, Emma, very trusting. Um, but again, like you, Brandy, I have a complex um, relationship with trust in general. And I think maybe this is why one of these experiences led me to feel this way. So... I was one of the newest servers at this place and I was given like the late shift usually that I would stay like through dinner and I would stay late. So one of the managers was really nice to me and would always say, why don't you get dinner on us? And I was like, oh my God, this is so nice of you to do this for me. So he would, we had a little room upstairs where we could leave our belongings. And he Mm -hmm. always said, just leave your, your little uh, what was that? That like little black book with my tips and like all my receipts and stuff. No. He would tell me, just leave this stuff here. Go order your some food and then you can come up and eat with me. And I was like, well, he's totally cool. And sometimes he would have even allow me to get a drink. So I'm like, well, this is nice because I wow. obviously had a long shift. So might as well, you know, take advantage of this. And I wouldn't have to like cook when I got home. I eventually realized that for some reason, my tips were always off. Like I would always get really good tips and I would always be missing like 20, 30, $40. And I'm like, I must've miscalculated, but since it's late in the night, like whatever. And within a month or so, I realized that this particular manager, what he was doing as I went to the kitchen to order my meal, he would go into the black book no. and take out twenty bucks. Were there or no so. cameras? Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't investigate wow. that much further because I was like, this guy obviously is some sort of con artist or he's Wait, doing that something. Is horrible. Did you I like, reported report- it? Okay. I reported it and eventually that restaurant shut down because I I'm sure this wasn't but the he only didn't get scam fired that was happening. Yeah, he didn't From get what, what I was remember, coming to remember he was reprimanded, but it just it didn't seem worth it enough for me to like Start some sort what? of like legal battle or something, you know. A it was just, it was a very stealing scary from situation. a server. It was a very scary situation. Oh my god, that makes me so mad. Were you guys a pulled house or like were your tips your tips? My tips were my tips, and so because he was stealing was, from you, from me directly. And it was such a touristy area that even like the tip was already included for parties of six or more because a lot of people didn't tip at that time. Yeah. So, you know, Not whatever money. I know, I was like at that time. <laughs> but whatever money I was making, like I was making pretty decent money. And, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks every time I worked, it that added up. That yeah. it added so up. fucked. And then I was worried that maybe I was miscalculating when I was like inputting the receipts at the end of the night. Like maybe I was doing something wrong. And little did I know this guy was wow. basically just stealing directly from me. That makes me so angry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
Fuck yeah. him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ugh. And he was All just, right, I need to go watch so like awful. three episodes of I know. <laughs> after to, these to decompress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should we close it out? Yeah. Anybody have a final question for us? I have a final question. Okay. For the Goodness. final episode of the book. What's one trick you've learned from this book that you want to try? <laughs> oh, right out the gate. That if you look expensive, people will believe anything you say. So I feel like I just want to go get myself a freaking ridiculous outfit, get my hair and makeup professionally done, and then go see what lies I can get people to believe. It's true. Because apparently anything can be believed if you look the part. You fake it until you make it. You fake it until you make it. I like that one. And that one is actually pretty doable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very realistic. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) Easy to implement. I mean, because I was thinking about bank kiting because that was like really interesting. The check kiting. start photoshopping checks. <laughs> I mean, that kind of really did blow my mind a little bit. I mean, I get it that it was in Catch Me If You Can, but when she like how she described it, I was like, holy shit. Not that I would ever do it, but it's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> all right you know the thing that came to mind i think actually i've already done many times before but you know the whole vodka in the water bottle trick oh yeah but like i've done that before you know like if i'm on like jury duty or something like somewhere i don't want to be like maybe i can try to ask someone to sneak it in for me Mm. my big one used to be getting a passion tea lemonade from starbucks and putting vodka in that. Because then you can walk around and it just looks like a passion tea lemonade, but it's really a cocktail and nobody's the wiser. Okay. You heard it here first. Brandy, con artist numero uno. <laughs> <laughs> con artist 69. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening. <sighs> I can see that Emma still has her freckles and Mariana still has her baby. So we have yet to get your review, y'all. We really need it. Mariana doesn't want to keep that baby. Help us out. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> that took a turn <laughs> dark turn yikes well Avika thank you so much for submitting a listener question this week no seriously thank you so much listeners follow followed by example we are craving to answer one of your probing questions or read one of your raving reviews why does she say probing like that <laughs> every week and a huge thank you to Andy Hayes from Plum Deluxe for reaching oh, out yes. to us yes. and providing, yes, providing us with those delicious teas. We are so friends. Good. Yes, yes plumdeluxe.com. Go get yourself some of these amazing teas. Next week starts our July book pick. What? Yeah. Wow. We will be reading Infinite Country by Patricia Engel. Oh, I can't wait. For part one, we'll be reading to the end of chapter eight. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out the first cocktail and mocktail pairing of this book so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour tea here.
Ciao, Chica. Bye. Bye.